Well, hello, baby birds. It's your host with the most, the one and only, Joe Show. I'm here to guide the ship for the next hour or so, and tonight is a special night. As many of you know, I haven't posted new content in 26 days. 26 days. Why? Why, you ask? Well, I'll tell you why. I was pissed off. I was hurt. And I was embarrassed. A few weeks ago, I had an opportunity to book a national talent as a guest. A guest who does stand-up for a living, has a pretty amazing story, has been on television, on Comedy Central, um, and is an all-around good dude. Well, very long story made short. We did our pre-show call, discussed the episode, and determined his call-in time. The show starts, and so do the problems. I don't hear my intro play. And that alone pisses me off, but it got worse from there. I just keep motoring along in my open, doing my monologue and the guest intro, only to bring my guest onto the show live from the screening room, and lo and behold, he can't hear me. I can hear him clear as day. So we start texting each other, and while I fill the air with BS, he calls back in. Guess what? Same result. I kill the episode, I delete it, reboot the entire system, create the episode all over again, go live. This time he calls in from a landline. You'll never guess what happened next. Yep, same fucking result. So now I'm feeling white hot rage taking over my body. I apologize to the desk, to the guest and turn my angst to the platform for which I record my podcasts on. They will remain nameless, and I will no longer be plugging them during my podcast. Um, I just spit straight fire into their online chatbot customer service. Five days later, granted they tell you that they respond in 24 hours. Five days later, they respond with basically lip service and an oopsie. We'll, tell, we'll let the engineers know. So I spent the next week or two seeking out dif- different hosting platforms and ways to bring guests on. To wrap this bitch session up, I ended up deciding to stay with the platform I'm on as my pod is beginning to gain some traction now, and I've already done all the heavy lifting for distribution. So moving forward, I will not do live broadcasts if I can help it. I will pre-record everything and edit it myself before farming it out to the many sites that carry this podcast. I'm still not happy, but I'm better than I was. I started and stopped like three different episodes during this, but that experience really crushed my soul. Fortunately, only the good die young, baby birds, so plan on me being around for some time. As a reminder, to get this podcast and every episode of the Brain Droppings podcast, you can find me on the following sites, iTunes, Spotify, Google Music, TuneIn, Pandora, and iHeartRadio. If you have an Amazon-enabled device, simply say... Alexa, play Brain Droppings podcast on TuneIn, and she'll play the most recent episode of me. Don't be shy. Check out the previous episodes for some strong content. Listen to my progression from the first episode to today. Lastly, to wrap up this welcome to the episode segment, tonight I'll be covering a couple of my favorite topics. We'll take a quick look back at what was the NBA Finals and the NHL Finals and provide some final thoughts on them since that all transpired while I was on sabbatical. We'll do a quick look back at season two of Stranger Things and what to expect in the upcoming release on Netflix of season three slated for July 4th. And sticking with the July 4th topic, I'll share 
a few 4th of July stories from my past and provide a little PSA, because if you listen to my podcast, you know I like to provide a PSA each time for keeping with 10 fingers and 10 toes come July 5th. Hashtag firework safety. And finally, we will answer the following questions in our weird news segment tonight. Number one, what did a Pennsylvania woman find on her patio that forced her to kill it with a shovel? Why did its small town in Mississippi get a historical monument this week? Why did a Detroit area man get in trouble at the airport? What did a vet find inside a bulldog that was refusing to eat dinner? And finally, what is the state of Washington using to help prevent wildfires? That and my Idiot of the Episode award, granted to the biggest idiot in the news, will be coming your way shortly. Uh, But before I get into any of that, I'd like to start by talking a little bit about the NBA and NHL championship series that transpired while I was, you know, on sabbatical, not doing podcasts. Um, they, they both had excellent series. They both came to a close um, in the time since we last spoke. So I'd like to run them down both. You know, first I'll start with the NHL, which saw the Boston Bruins and the Columbus Blue Jackets take the ice in a seven-game knock-em-down, drag-em-out series that even the most casual fan of professional hockey, and I am one of them, found to be extremely entertaining, to say the least. Unfortunately for me, though, living in the Northeast and growing up in and around the Boston area, the Boston Bruins ended up on the losing end of the Stanley Cup this year. I will say this, again, from the perspective of a casual fan, I thought that when you looked at the series as a whole, the Blue Jackets outplayed, out-hustled, out-grinded, and out-physicaled the Bruins when it mattered the most. They seemed to get goals when they needed them the most. They also seemed to sustain runs when they felt they had the Bruins reeling. In the end, I felt the Blue Jackets really just played played better and deserved the cup more. On paper, the Bruins should have murdered the Blue Jackets. They had a far greater roster of talent. But as we know, what you have on paper versus what you bring to the field, the pitch, the court, or the ice is really what sets you apart. So congrats to the Columbus Blue Jackets for winning the Stanley Cup here in 2019. You honestly deserved it as a lifelong Bruins fan, casual at best, but as a lifelong Boston fan, um, when, we rec- when we see greatness and we recognize it, we have the forethought to be able to appreciate the other team. It's not always sour grapes in Boston. I mean, if you look at the tradition of winning, and I'm talking in the modern era, folks, not going back to when the Sox played in 1919. But if you look from, say, the the last 19 years, you know, you had the Patriots in 2001, 2003, 2004. You had the Red Sox in 2004, 2007, 2013. Last year, you had the um, Bruins win in 2011, but make it to the Cup Finals in 13 and 19. And you had the Celtics win it in 07-08. So we've had our fair share of championships. We can, we're at that point in which they hurt when we lose, but we can appreciate the, the, the time, dedication, and talent of the other team who won that series. Uh, for the NBA Finals, they were a little different, yet the same. It didn't go seven games, but it had all the drama of a typical seven-game series would have. The Golden State Warriors came into the series as a heavy favorite on paper against the Toronto Raptors. 
but with a major injury to one of their stars, Kevin Durant, they were depleted, asking guys to play more minutes than they were used to, and struggled to find a rhythm as the game progressed. For Game 5, with Kevin Durant made his comeback, unfortunately 12 minutes and 11 points into it, he blew his Achilles. And then in the following and series deciding game, another star of the Golden State Warriors, Clay Thompson, tore his ACL, all but sealing the fate of the Warriors this year. Toronto went on to win its first NBA title, and the first title by a team not originating in the United States. Honestly, after doing the post games for the Celtics this past season, and into their brief playoff run, I was pretty b-balled out for the rest of the playoffs. I did watch a few of the games, and I did make sure to catch highlights on ESPN the following day, so I was aware of how each game unfolded, but I did find the NHL playoffs far more entertaining. Now, if they could only find a way to bring that level of hockey, or close to it, to a regular to TV regularly, I think they would be a far more popular sport from a ratings perspective. But till then, they'll continue to be a play. I'll continue to be a playoff fan, and I'm okay with that. Now, in this segment, that's all I got for for NHL and uh, NBA. I mean, if you want to talk a little World Cup, uh, U.S. Women's National Team. Started the tournament in controversial fashion, blowing doors um, in their first match. I think they scored 13 goals, and they were celebrating after each one drew the ire of the international community because they were viewed as you know rubbing it in, running the score up. But I'll tell you this. The last game happened yesterday. Um, the U.S. women's national team played Spain for a chance to play France on Friday in the quarterfinals. And it was a gutted out type of uh, game. They won two to one, both off the foot of Megan Rapino, both on penalty kicks. Um, you know, say what you want about Rapino, um, her, her, you know, protest to the anthem and all that crap. But at the end of the day, the woman is one solid athlete. That entire team is a dream team of soccer or football, depending upon if you're listening to me abroad or here in the United States. In either case, um, I do feel that France, the only team to dealt them a loss in the last 16 months, stands an excellent opportunity to put together a really good game here on Friday, but time will tell how that one will play out. I'd still put my money on Alex Morgan, uh, Julie Ertz, Megan Rapino, Carly Lloyd, and the group, Megan Pugh. Everybody on that team is just next level. Um, but that's it for sports. Let's move on to a segment talking about Stranger Things Season 2. Um, and, you know, it ending in the upcoming Season 3. You know, I'm a huge fan of this Netflix original series, and I'm not alone. Um, it's drawn millions upon millions of viewers through its first two seasons, and it's a throwback. It takes place in the mid-80s, and if you're a child my age now, which is mid-40s, the mid-80s, you were in your early teens. I mean, these these kids were your age. They're pop culture references you can identify with. They're movie references you can identify with. Um, I've watched the first two seasons a bunch of times, and each time I'm taken back by the quality of the writing and the storytelling in this series. Season two ended, and I hope I'm not dropping any spoilers here. If you still haven't watched Stranger Things season two, get out from underneath the rock or the cave that you've been living in and binge yourself a little bit of these, you know, season one and season two prepping up for season three, which opens up on July 4th. Uh, Season 2 ended in a pretty dramatic climax, which saw Levin, or L closing the gate to the Upside Down, 
the snowball dance happens and we're left with the final shot of the middle school in the upside down, setting the stage for this upcoming season and what a season it looks like it'll turn out to be. The, the trailer leads us to believe that the Mind Flayer is back and this time the plans look like they're far larger than just Hawkins, Indiana. From the trailer, we see all the faces we've come to know so well, and Billy, at least as best I can guess from the trailer, will be assuming the role of the host, much like Will did in Season 2. There's going to be a lot to digest as this season unfolds. The question, though, is this. Where Netflix drops an entire season at one time, and subsequent seasons take so long to come out, will you feather the episodes out to elongate the thrill? Or will you binge it in a couple of days, probably like I will, um, and be left to wait yet another 18 plus months for the next season? If there even is one. See, I have no idea. None of us will know until it drops. Um, I really enjoy Stranger Things. Um, I identify with each of the characters in different ways. I mean, I, I was never a Dungeons and Dragons player or fantasy role play or LARPing or any of that stuff. I was more of an athlete than I was a, a board or a mythical game player. However, um, I can identify with that. I had friends that were into D and D. I had friends that were into LARPing. Um, we were just on different trajectories, but looking back at it now, um, it's, it's such such a cool series. And I really do hope that, you know, season three brings a little bit of excitement back to um, my Netflix watching, which has gotten a little stale recently. I, you all know I travel a ton for work um, and I'm on planes a lot. So I download a lot of movies and I watch them on my flights. And I found lately that Netflix available to download movies selection is limited to say the least. You know, I'm, I'm looking for newer movies that I didn't get an opportunity to see when they were out, and I'm finding that those are just not available for download. They it's usually second run or Netflix originals or television series episodes that I can download. Which, you know, don't get me wrong, it passes the time on a flight, but nevertheless, you know, you'd like to see something new or interesting. Um, and if I have to watch The Bird Box one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. So keeping with that, uh, I think we'll kill off the uh, Stranger Things segment and go right back into the weird news before I start talking about the 4th of July that's coming up. Um, And so our first story was, what did a Pennsylvania woman find on her patio that forced her to kill it with a shovel? The story takes place about 30 miles west of Philly in Pennsylvania, a woman hears a rustling on her porch, goes outside, and sees a snake baking in the sun. She immediately happens to have a shovel right next to her, and she grabs it to swoosh it away. However, when she hits the tail, it rears up, and it unfolds its hood to indicate that it wasn't your run-of-the-mill garden snake or water snake. No, in fact, it was a freaking cobra. When she made the connection, she didn't even hesitate and used a shovel to decapitate the snake. Authorities were called and confirmed that it was indeed a cobra and probably escaped from someone's private collection. I'm just floored by her calmness. You should have heard the the audio from, and I wish I had it, but the audio from the interview was ridiculous. I mean, I don't fear spiders or snakes. I fear redheads and midgets, and I'm okay to admit it. I've said it on the podcast before. I probably could do an entire hour on my fear of redheads and midgets. Um, Redheads are soul suckers, and midgies are ankle biters. Um, But I'm not afraid of spiders or snakes. But that's not normal. 
you know, typically people are instinctually afraid of snakes and spiders. But this lady went all executioner on its ass, and I commend her for it. I mean, just think about the balls it takes to be out on your porch. All you have is a flat-headed shovel, and you happen to notice that this thing has a hood, and it is a deadly venomous snake. In the U.S., for which it is not indigenous to the North America climate, um, it's, I believe, indigenous to uh, India. Uh, So what a freaky thing to find. But that lady, again, balls of steel. Um, Second story. Why did a small town in Mississippi get a historical monument? That's a very good question. Um, And I didn't even, you know, I kind of teased it a little bit there. I don't tell you what kind of historical monument it is. But when I tell you, if your eyeballs fall out of your head or your jaw hits the floor, it's probably going to do the same thing mine did. It would appear that in 1973, yes, 46 years ago, two men claimed to have been abducted by a UFO while standing on the banks of the Pascagoula River, taken aboard a ship for 30 minutes, and then returned to Earth. They reported the alleged abduction to the sheriff at the time and were also checked out at the local hospital. Later, one of the two published a book on the incident. Seriously? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love for this to be real. I grew up watching the X-Files. I still watch Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. But did this alleged incident really warrant a historical marker? It's not like the story was confirmed or even validated. I mean, weird shit right there, for sure. I mean, they're, they're putting a historical marker where the gentleman believed that they were standing, believed to be standing, at the Pascagoula River in Mississippi. But... That was in the news. I thought I'd share it with you. One of my favorite stories, because I'm a traveler, is what did a Detroit area man get in trouble at the airport for? Now, I used to be able to identify with this guy's frustration. But since spending the 85 bucks and getting my known traveler number and eligibility for pre-check, I no longer suffer with this bullshit. However, that's not the case for this guy in Detroit. After putting his bag and jacket on the belt before the metal detector, he was informed by TSA that he would also need to remove his belt and shoes and any other metal in his pockets. So what did he do? Dude stripped buck fucking naked right there in the TSA security line and then stepped forward like he was going to walk through the metal detector. Hence, he was subsequently arrested for indecent exposure, missed his flight. You know, Is TSA a pain in the ass if you aren't a regular flyer? You bet your ass it is. But you have options, people. You can buy clear. You can buy pre-check. Or better yet, simply appreciate the fact that the TSA is there to ensure your safety and the safety of all airline passengers, workers, and crew. They are there to keep your mind at ease and allow for a peaceful flight. Try thanking them next time you go through. I do. Every single fucking flight, I thank the person who's Uh, you know, addressing the people about what they need to take out of their bag and not take out of the bag. I thank the guy that's at the x-ray machine. I thank the person on the back end of the belt that's making sure everything's okay and doing the spot checks and the randos for people that need that get selected randomly. Thank these people. It's not an easy job and they really provide a tremendous service and they are the most unthanked workers in public service, if you ask me. TSA people are phenomenal. Um, they get paid dirt. 
They're doing God's work. They're here to help make sure that the skies stay safe. And if you live through 9-11, you should never have a fucking problem with these people. They are they're great people. I mean, yeah. Do you run into those that are miserable? I do it all the time. I'm in at least five to seven different airports every two weeks. I know all my TSA people. In fact, it's weird how I see the same ones over and over and over again at certain airports. And every single time, I treat them professionally and they treat me professionally. And that's the way it should be, folks. You know, spread a little kindness. Uh, Number four, what did a vet find inside a bulldog that was refusing to eat dinner? The story's from Massachusetts, one state away from where I live, where a bulldog was experiencing a diminished interest in food. After noticing that their puppy wasn't eating much, they brought it to the vet. After a quick checkup, they were given medication, and initially, that seemed to help Fido with his appetite, but it was short-lived. After a couple of weeks, he was back to not eating. Another trip to the vet and an x-ray later, the cause was determined. Apparently, this bulldog had quite the appetite, but not for dog food. He had an appetite for the family's two toddlers' pacifiers, to the tune of 19 of them trapped in the digestive tract. He had been secretly stealing and eating his owner's two small children's pacifiers over the course of the last few months and amassed such a collection that he needed emergency surgery to have them all removed. Happy to report he's back to himself now and the family's keeping a watchful eye on what he eats. And then finally, number five. What is the state of Washington, not to be confused with Washington, D.C., the state of Washington on the West Coast? using to help prevent wildfires. I don't know what's mo- what's a more bizarre idea in the fight against devastating forest fires. And again, I'm not giving my political affiliations away or where I fall on things. I'm just making basic observations. What was a more bizarre idea? Was it President Trump's assertion that if we swept and raked the forest floor and took care of the dead leaves and such, we wouldn't experience these devastating fires? Or is it this, that the state of Washington has decided to implement a program in which the state will rent goats, G-O-A-T-S, goats, pause, rewind, playback. The state of Washington is going to rent goats to eat forest vegetation to assist in reducing the amount of dry material typically associated with the spread of wildfires. There are more questions than answers here. Um, How many goats are we talking about? What does that cost? You know, you have to pay the shepherds. You can't just randomly let goats out there. Um, Where do they all come from? Who cares for them when the quote-unquote work is done? And will it even work? The only question I can definitively answer is is that the state is, quote unquote, renting the goats from a local herd of goats. I'll keep following this story once the project is underway to see if it really has any impact or if it is just one of those outside of the box thinking ideas that fails miserably. And to answer your question, uh, as much as it pains me to say this, the more bizarre idea is the president thinking that we should rake the fucking forest. Um, I'll just leave it at that. Now, one of the things that I've implemented in the past couple of podcasts 
has been the uh, idiot of the episode award or the dumbest dumbest news story or this could only come from Florida type of thing. Um, but I want to do my idiot of the episode award and, and grant it to the biggest idiot in the news. And this week, the winner for the idiot of the episode award comes from nowhere else. I mean, if you're going to do an idiot of the episode award and you're going to actually award it to somebody, you know it's coming from the great state of Florida. I bring you to Clearwater, Florida, Clearwater Beach, to be exact. And that's where we find a guy who was arrested while trying to steal a scooter. Okay, you know, you got me on the hook. I'm listening. 30-year-old Raymond oh, <laughs> Raymond Millwater was spotted pushing a 2013 Honda scooter in Clearwater Beach last Wednesday. A witness saw it, thought it was strange, and called the police. The officer arrived on scene and approached Mr. Millwater he asked, Mr. Millwater asked him for a screwdriver so that he could jam it in the ignition and start the scooter. Better yet, when he asked if, when asked if he owned it, he said he did not know who in fact owned it and it wasn't him. Police ran the plate, contacted the owner who said he did not know Mr. Millwater, hence he was promptly arrested and taken to the Pinellas County Jail on grand theft charges. Got to appreciate the level of confidence or ignorance that allows for a person to just casually ask the officer for a fucking screwdriver to aid in the theft of a scooter. So there you have it, Raymond Millwater. You, sir, are the idiot of the episode. So that covers some of or most of the points that I wanted to cover tonight. Um, one of the things that I'll, I'll end this episode with and it's kind of an abbreviated episode i thought it might go a little bit longer um but truth be told i'm getting my feet wet again folks and sometimes the episodes are a half hour sometimes they're an hour sometimes they're an hour and a half it really depends on what's happening around me what kind of availability i have to to get out there and do the podcasting and more importantly I don't want to bring you shitty content or just backfill an entire hour with me babbling. Um, it doesn't serve any purpose. But I will leave you with this last topic. And the last topic tonight is going to be 4th of July, hashtag fireworks safety. Now, 4th of July is an amazing holiday here in the United States. Uh, it's a celebration of our company country's independence. Um, it's fraught with controversy because July 4th wasn't really the big day, so to speak, for the Declaration of Independence. But nevertheless, it's the observed date for our holiday of independence from England um, and the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Now, that being said, um, other things that are associated with the 4th of July are obviously family gatherings, friend gatherings, parties, uh, if you will, barbecues, and alcohol and fireworks. I mean, that's really, you know, that's Merca, man. It's fireworks, beer, you know, mixed drinks, mystery punch, barbecue, and friends. Um, but a couple of little piece of, pieces of advice for my closet pyros out there who like to play with fireworks on the 4th of July. A couple of things you need to be aware of. Number one, um, always, 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 always demonstrate the highest level of caution that you are capable of when lighting fireworks. Regardless of the amount of alcohol or drugs or 
food that you consume on that day, you must keep safety in the front of your mind. And I tell you that because I've been to several different 4th of July celebrations over the course of my adult life. Uh, Some have been rowdy. Some have been hosted by myself. Others have been laid back, family orientated, but always the common theme at the end of the party has been fireworks, whether it's sparklers and snakes or jumping jacks or go all the way up to the candles, the bottle rockets, the M80s, and all of the advanced fireworks that you have available at your fingertips, uh, specifically if you live in South Carolina or New Hampshire, where firework sales are absolutely 100% legal, and I'm sure across the United States there are several other states, but those are the two... Those are the two that stick out to me the most when I think about fireworks. Um, In New Hampshire, you know, it's a rampant issue. We have a ton of people that buy fireworks. I mean, if you anticipate going to bed or you have an animal or small children on the 4th of July at a reasonable hour, um, unless you have soundproofing, you will be kept up. That's just how it goes. So always check your wicks. Um, Ensure, you know, always light a firecracker not in your hand. Uh, If you look, there's been numerous cases of people blowing off fingers, digits, toes, arms, hands, legs. It's, it can be an extremely dangerous holiday. And when you mix alcohol in there, it, your judgment is slowed. Your reaction times are slowed and skewed. You want to, you want to focus on making sure that you walk out and on the 5th of July, you're able to wave 10 fingers in the air and wiggle 10 toes on the ground. It's one of the biggest wins you'll have of your life, specifically if you're firing off fireworks. Now, what I typically do is anything that's going to be considered an aerial handheld, um, bottle rockets, uh, those, I have no idea. I, to be honest with you, what I do is I go to the, when I do buy fireworks, I'll go to the fireworks store and I'm looking for things that are nostalgia based for me, bottle rockets, whistlers, things that I remember from my childhood, jumping jacks. Um, always test one out on the ground first. Never pointed at people, obviously, if it's an aerial, uh, Roman candles, same thing. Roman candles can easily be lit by taking your um, lighter, lighting the wick and holding the wick end away from your body. This will cause the candles, if you want to be a hand holder, um, it'll cause the candles to shoot up at the angle in which you point it into the air. And always make sure that you're not pointing it towards any dry leaves, grass, homes, or people, uh, or animals, and you should be all set. When it comes to explosive firecrackers, so... Um, I don't even know what those black magic things are called, but you know what I'm talking about. Whether it's a little firecracker all the way up to a quarter stick of dynamite, um, the best advice I can give you is light the wick and run. It, it You don't need to be standing over an M80. You're not a green beret and it ain't Vietnam. I don't need to see you, you know, sky hook that thing into the air and hope that, you know, it explodes while it's in the air. There's no, there's no gain there, people. There's no gain at all. Be safe. Be healthy. Be happy. That's the end of the day. Um, I don't know if it's just that I'm getting more lame in my old age or wiser, um, but I still... 
still have all my digits, and I have never lost them to fireworks. Have I had some close calls? You bet your ass I did. I specifically remember being slightly intoxicated with my brother, uh, probably early 30s, and at a you know family event, we had a bunch of fireworks on the 4th of July, big tent out in the yard, a couple of grills, uh, some really booming music, bouncy house for the kids. And at the end of the evening, my brother and I decided to light off some fireworks and entertain the crowd. And it quickly escalated into a Roman candle sword fight where we were shooting the balls at each other. Not brilliant. Um, those balls, when they shoot, are white lava hot. So you don't want them on your... If it touches your clothes, they're going to immediately ignite. If it touches your skin, it's immediately going to burn. These aren't risks that you should take. Fortunately, I have cat-like reflexes. I didn't get hit by any of them. And fortunately for him, I have terrible aim. So he didn't get hit by any. But it doesn't take away the stupidity of the action. And I guess that's my PSA for this episode. Um, Be kind to each other. Have a good time, but be safe. At the end of the day, you have loved ones around you, whether they be family, friends, or significant others, or children that want to see you on the 5th, not in a hospital bed. Um, That's where I'll wrap it up tonight. I want to thank everybody once again for listening to the Brain Droppings podcast. Um, You can download this and all episodes on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Music, and tune in. If you have an Amazon-enabled device, simply say, Alexa, play Brain Droppings podcast on TuneIn, and she will. She'll play the latest episode that I drop. I'm going to try to get back into a more regular um, dropping of my podcasts here as the, uh, the summer progresses on. I will be doing a little bit of traveling over the next couple of weeks, but I will bring my microphone with me, and that should not hinder my ability to set you some podcasts. In fact, I'm thinking about doing my next podcast on uh, kind of taking a page from the Food Network's show, The Best Thing I've Ever Eaten, and basically do it from each of the cities that I stop in, because there are some specific areas and, and spots that I stop that, you know, are touristy, and then those that are off the beaten path that you may never have heard of before. And If we can share a little bit of knowledge, maybe you can broaden your food horizons through my reviews, and uh, we'll go from there. Well, for the Brain Droppings Podcast, Season 1, Episode 14, Lost and Found, this is Joe Show, thanking you again for listening. I hope that every day is a good day for you, and until we meet again, be safe. Have a good one. Peace. And no telling what I'm feeling beyond, hey, hey, I'm beyond all that. F- Mama, would you like to be my sunshine? We touch my game, we gon' turn this to Columbine. Ice on my neck, cost me ten times three. Thirty thousand dollars for a new wicked flea. 